And the rest of us, let's turn to the book of Genesis, and we're going to work our way through as we look at prophecy in the Bible. Um, We're going to start with Abraham, and then we're just going to sample what the Bible, what we call the minor prophets in the Bible. If God says something, it's not minor. Uh, It just is everything God says is very important, but we call them minor prophets because they are lesser known and the books are very small. Uh, We're just going to sample the book of Jonah and then we're going to just click on two prophets, Ahijah and Micaiah. Uh, Micaiah is one of my favorite people in all the Bible. I just love the story of Micaiah. Just a few verses in our Bible, but it just shows you that God has his prophets everywhere he needs them. And, uh, you know, people have often come up with really strange questions, especially when it's the will of the Lord. Uh, You know, if I am uh, in the Lord's will, but the person I'm supposed to marry isn't in God's will, we're going to miss each other and it's going to be a mess. And, And the simple truth of that is, if they're not in God's will, it's not God's will for you to marry them. That's just how simple it is. And what the only thing that you can control about finding God's will for your life is what you do in your life. And I will promise you this, that if you aren't careful about keeping yourself in the will of God, that most perfect person that God has picked out for you may end up with somebody else because you refuse to follow God's direction as you should. Uh, You cannot miss out following God's words. Now, why do we talk about that? Because it was the job of the prophets to supply the words. That was their duty. That was their given command by God was to bring those words. And so here in Genesis chapter 12, in verse 7, it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Now I want to stop right there. Who's living there today? Who is in the land of Israel? Why, it's the Israelis, the sons of Jacob. And there are other people there too. And um, I, I wish everybody could understand something here. There is no such thing as a Palestinian. That is a made-up people group. They were living there in the land at peace with the Jews, working together before 1948, all of the Arabs that were living in peace moved out of the land of Israel. And the only ones that were left were the ones that were trapped there and the ones who were trained as terrorists. And so we need to understand something. Israel is not the aggressor. In this situation, even though uh, the news media wants to paint it that way, this land was promised to them through Abraham two millennia before Jesus walked the face of the earth. Uh, Brother Clayton in his preaching used to talk about some 
king in Europe or some leader there in Europe, and he said, I want proof that the Bible is true. And one of his aides spoke up and said, Israel, and uh, you just study. Any people group displaced from their land. 70 AD, the Roman soldiers came in. They raised Jerusalem to the ground. They paved the streets with the blood of the Jews as they just slaughtered every living thing they could get their hands on. How many of you remember the story of Masada? Uh, as a group of Jewish uh, radicals go up to Herod's old fortress and they inhabit that and they send the entire power of Rome to reduce this fortress with, I don't believe there was over a thousand people there. And they all committed suicide rather than surrender to the Romans. And... uh, The years, centuries, from from 70 A.D. to 1948, Israel then became its own country. Now, people talk about that being the budding of the fig tree and all of those things. I'm not sure because that doesn't hold up. A generation in the Bible is usually 40 years. That's why everybody was saying Jesus is going to come back in 1988 because Israel became a state in 1948. And uh, everything's going to be the end times. And uh, I even remember being kidded by pastors saying, you're going to get married. Uh, you're supposed to get married in September and Jesus is coming back in October. Are you, are you still going to go through with it? I said, you know what? No man knows the date or the hour. I'm going to follow through. I'm glad I did. Uh, Because we're still waiting on Jesus to come back. Amen? And uh, we will be until he gets here. And we'll be talking about those prophecies. But in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7, God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. And... um, Where is the uh, verse that I, I'm sorry, I'm, uh, yes, chapter 15 here in verse 6, God comes back to Abraham in verse 1 of chapter 15 and he says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now, chapter 14 is where Abraham, Abram at this time had taken his armed servants uh, with the leader of Hebron, who, by the way, was one of the sons of Anak, the giants. They lived in Hebron at this time. Abraham had peace with them. This was 450 years before Joshua came back and came through uh, the land of Canaan. Uh, Actually, 430 years in Egypt, 470 years. So, work it out, about 500 years or so. And they defeated uh, Tidal, king of nations, and his assembly of troops there and brought Lot back and all of the, rescued the inhabitants of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain. And uh, 
And the king of Sodom, of course, he's just like the devil himself. He says, give me the souls. You can keep all the money. And uh, Abram said, I'm not taking anything from you except that which young men have eaten. But I am going to tell you something. It wasn't because of you this battle was won. It was because of the God of heaven. And we are going to worship him by taking a tithe of everything you have and giving it to Melchizedek, the king of Salem, or the king of Jerusalem, which was a type and picture of Jesus Christ. Um, I can just see the, the king of Sodom going, <clears throat> every time when Abraham goes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Melchizedek, one, two, three, four, as they're counting all of this out. And uh, that was quite a traumatic experience, as Abraham is really put under some pressure here. And God comes to him and says, listen, I am your reward. And if we remember anything as Christians, what more can we have than Jesus Christ? Amen? What more can you have than a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? I won't re-preach this morning's message. Let's keep moving. And um, then Abraham, Abram asked the Lord, in verse 2, What wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the number, tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall they seed be. Now look here. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. You see, that is faith. God gave a prophecy to Abraham. At this time, he was called Abram. When Abraham died, how much of the land of Israel had he inherited? Absolutely none of it. The only thing that he owned was the cave of Machpelah. Outside of Hebron, the field of Ephron the Hittite, he had bought that field in the cave and it was a tomb. Sarah was buried there. Abraham was buried there. Rebekah was buried there. Isaac was buried there. And uh, Jacob and Leah would also be buried there. Six bodies in that one tomb, and that was it. That was all that they owned until Israel came out of Egypt and Joshua went through and took uh, the land of Canaan. The ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy will not happen until the millennial kingdom. When Jesus rearranges the geography of this earth and he rules and reigns from Jerusalem... Then Israel will have their full land. I, I'm looking forward to the, when that highway is built that's talked about. I think it's in Isaiah or one of the prophets, a highway from Jerusalem to 
Assyria, and it's going to be called the Highway of Peace. Uh, that's a prophecy. It has not yet been fulfilled. How many of you remember the highway into Baghdad from Kuwait that was littered with every type of vehicle the Iraqi army didn't have anymore because the planes just shot it all up? You remember that in the Hundred Hour War uh, back in, uh, that would have been in the early 90s there, the first Iraq War? Uh, it was in- incredible what happened, but there's going to be a highway in the most violent place of the earth. The Bible tells us these things. God promised Abraham a son. We don't need to spend a lot of time with this. We know the son's name was Isaac. We've just gone through this in Sunday school. Abraham tried to help God fulfill prophecy. Actually, it was it seemed to be more Sarah's idea and she was the one that had the idea and she was the one that suffered the most and was the most repulsed by what she had created there in Ishmael. And uh, God's people were still paying for that. You do not improve on God's word by helping prophecy, by helping something happen. You just need to be obedient yourself. Um, Let's go to Romans chapter 4 if we can. Romans chapter 4. It says in verse 1, What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is a reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Do you get what the writer of Romans is telling us? He's saying, Abraham was counted righteous because he had faith in God's word. This is grace. God gives his word. He gives the promises. Abraham simply believed them. And by the way, we need to be careful. I don't know how many of you have ever tried this, but it doesn't work. Uh, There's a verse in the Bible that says, If you believe, asking, you shall receive. I believe God will give me a million bucks. I really believe it. I I do, I do. In fact, I'm going to go out and look in the mailbox and see if it's there. Well, good luck. That's not the kind of believing the Bible talks about. never is. The kind of believing the Bible talks about is simple obedience to the things that you can do. How did Abraham believe God that God would give him the land? He lived there his whole life. Because God told him he was buried there. He just... uh, Let me ask you a question. How complicated was it for Abraham after he was living in the land of Canaan to stay there? It, It wasn't a complex thing. Faith is not some incredible thing that you cannot attain to. If it was, none of us would be saved. Faith is simple. Faith is childish. 
childlike, I should say, in its purity, in its innocence. All Abraham did was say, I'm going to follow God. And as we move down through this uh, uh, passage here, um, it says here in verse 16, Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As we're going through the book of Ephesians, in chapters 3 and 4, Paul is going to describe the mystery of godliness. And what he's going to talk about is the fact that God would take Gentiles who were not Jews, who were not heirs. We, If you remember Thursday night, we have no hope in this world. But he's given us hope through Jesus Christ. It says here that Abraham is the father of all who are the children of faith. That is an amazing truth. And yet, what did God tell Abraham way back in the Old Testament? In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Isn't it interesting the word that God used? He didn't use all the peoples, all the nations. He said, all of the families. Because God's message of salvation is for whosoever will. And it's amazing to me. I just stop and I think, you cannot find a precedent in history for what has happened to the nation of Israel. If you want something interesting to read, read the history of the new nation of Israel since 1948. Uh, the British did everything they could to make sure that the Jewish people would not exist as a nation. Uh, it was it was terrible. They stopped immigration. Uh, you had tens of thousands. Nobody knows the exact number that could have escaped the Holocaust. If only the Jews had been allowed to immigrate out of Europe to Israel. After World War II, they're coming out of the death camps. And the British Navy is interdicting the ships and putting them in detention centers on the island of Cyprus. And there were some very brave men and women that smuggled people into Israel. They, would, they, were, they were arming the Arabs, buying the best weapons that the world had, providing them stockpiling weapons for the Arabs. They gave them control of all the police stations and all of the strong points before Israel became a nation. And Israel had to send people underground to Czechoslovakia and to other companies trying to buy used leftover junk from World War II. The first airplane in the Israeli army was a Piper Cub. 
single-engine little plane. And uh, the guy had developed some type of homemade device that he could drop out of the plane. And he was eventually shot down and killed, I do believe. But let me tell you something. God has protected his people. And the story of those wars and how they won was just amazing. But God promised Abraham the land. Why should that be so amazing to us that God put Israel in the land? And yet, the same people who hate God, hate the Bible, are the same people that hate Israel. You, you better, better watch out. When Britain started its policy of interdiction and trying to de- derail the entire Jewish uh, nation, uh, that started in World War I. Britain was the most powerful nation in the earth. By the end of World War II, they were a second, third-rate nation. They really were. Um, they did the job. We're not demeaning anything that happened during World War II under the leadership of Mr. Churchill and his great stand for freedom and for freedom in Europe and all of those things. But the British Navy no longer ruled the world. After World War II, they lost all their worldwide possessions. They have commonwealths, but they no longer ruled them as they did before. And America better learn a lesson. You mess with Israel. And God is going to demote you in the, in the class of nations. And uh, that's just, listen, we believe these prophecies. A- am I for everything that Israel done? Has Israel ever done something wrong? Yeah, they're human beings. They've done some wrong things, sure. So have we as Americans. Guess what? Welcome to the human race. But there is absolutely no justification for teaching Palestinian who don't exist children how to count with body bags, which is in their printed curriculum. That these things go on. This hatred is endemic. It is taught from the time that they're old enough to think. Anyway, the prophecies were given to Abraham by God. Abraham believed them. God counted it as faith and made Abraham the father of all who believe in faith. That is how prophecy works. Let's go to the book of Jonah for a moment. The book of Jonah. I love the story of Jonah. If there was any of the Old Testament prophets that qualified to be a Baptist, it would have to be Jonah now, wouldn't it? I mean, he was just one of those guys that didn't want to do what God told him to do. Now, Jonah was a prophet, and God gave him a word. He said in verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. And we know the story. Joshua, I mean, Jonah, not Joshua, Jonah, rose and he went the opposite direction. He got in a boat. 
God sent a storm, and when Jonah realized he couldn't go any further in the wrong direction, he said, I still got one up on God. Throw me in the water. All I'll do is die, and then I'm not going to do what God said. You better be careful. God, God has a way of getting things done that he wants done. Can we say amen to that? And Jonah's message was very complicated, wasn't it? Uh, let's go to chapter 3 here. Verse 3, it says, So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And when Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, that was Jonah's message. That's all that God gave him. He says, you guys got 40 days to repent or burn. And I can't wait. I mean, that was Jonah's attitude now, wasn't it? Jonah wanted to see Nineveh destroyed. But God didn't. You know, this is such an illustration of God's Word accomplishing that which He wants to in spite of the messenger. You know, we, we live in a world where people are trying to modify the message to make it more acceptable to the Word. Uh, we need to study Jonah. How could Jonah be more unacceptable to the people of Nineveh? I mean, he smelled like the inside of a whale's belly. He had the attitude... That, uh, I mean, he just needed to be turned over and given a good uh, dose of corporal punishment. In fact, God did that. Read chapter 4. I mean, he worked Job over pretty good. How could you get a more unworthy servant to take a very simple message to a people who could care less about the God of Israel? And yet, God's Word worked. See, that's how prophecy works. Can we say amen to that? And we come down to this last two verses in chapter 4. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night, and should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand? That's a hundred and twenty thousand children, is what this is talking about. They cannot discern between their right hand and their left. And I know that if I just said, everybody hold up your right hand, some of us would hold up our left. But uh, what the passage here is talking about, God said, listen, Jonah... You had more pity on a gourd than you did on the souls you preached to. I want you to understand something. My word is going to the souls. It wouldn't be 150 years and Nineveh would be wiped off the face of the earth. All that's left today are the ruins. But at this point, God gave repentance and revival to the Assyrians. This was right about 750 A.D. 
it would be less than a hundred years, the Assyrians would actually come and completely destroy, haul off the northern ten tribes of Israel. But God took care to preserve him a people. That's God's prophecy at work. Let's look at another story. First uh, Kings chapter 11. First Kings chapter 11. This is a man named Ahijah. Now, Ahijah is different than Adonijah, which was the son of David, the eldest son that tried to rule. Uh, Ahijah was a prophet. And uh, we start in verse 29. It says, And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment. And they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. And we go on here down to verse 38. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and wilt walk in my ways, and do that which is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. Now, can you imagine the prophecy here? that Ahijah is giving to this man Jeroboam. He was one of Solomon's servants. He was a mighty man of valor, the Bible tells us. Very few people get that uh, declaration concerning them. Jeroboam was one of those. He, he was a man of opportunity. He was a man of drive, we might say. And he has given these tribes of Israel. Now, it's going to be years before Solomon dies. Jeroboam goes and hides in Egypt because Solomon is trying to kill him. Because Solomon heard of the prophecy. This was just, uh, this was a very dark time in Israel. Well, we get to 1 Kings 12 and verse 15. And let's see if the prophecy was fulfilled. Whereof, wherefore, the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord that he might perform the saying which the Lord spake by Ahijah, the Shilonite, unto Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. So you remember the story about Rehoboam says, go away three days, come back and I'll answer you. And he took the counsel of the young men instead of the old men. The Bible said that was from the Lord because the Lord was going to fulfill the prophecy that was given by Ahijah. Isn't that interesting how God... God gave Ahijah the message, didn't he? But God here says, I am going to fulfill Ahijah's words. Now, Ahijah had a few other prophecies. If we go to chapter 14, uh, the son of Jeroboam got sick. And uh, 
uh, and not to be mistaken with Ahijah, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, got sick and he told his wife to, uh, to pretend to be someone else. And of course, uh, God was speaking to Ahijah. He was a prophet and he said that Jeroboam's wife is going to come in and, uh, and she's going to pretend or feign herself to be someone else. Uh, and so she knocks on the door and uh, she's all dressed up and she's using some other name and, and, and traveling in a way that would, the queen would not normally travel so that she would be hidden. And on top of that, Ahijah's an old man and he's blind. He can't see a thing. So she steps in and he goes, Hello, wife of Jeroboam. I know exactly who you are. And here's what's going to happen. Your son's going to die as soon as you step into the city. And there's going to come a king after Jeroboam, and he is going to destroy the entire house of Jeroboam. There is not going to be any living relative of Jeroboam left. Read your Bible. Every word of Ahijah came to pass. That's the standard of God's prophecy. These were not pleasant things. God had his man in the place. He caught in the days when Solomon had turned his back on the Lord and was worshiping all the false gods. There was God's prophet. And he told Jeroboam, if you will only follow God, God will establish a house. He'll give Israel to you. Your house will be like David's house. Jeroboam believed him to take the kingship, but he didn't believe him to follow the ordinances of the Lord. And it was not God that suffered. It was Israel that suffered. And it was the house of Jeroboam that completely disappeared from the pages of history. Jeroboam has the sobriquet, the nickname, who made Israel to sin. That is added to his name, half the places you find it. Jeroboam, who made Israel to sin. Didn't have to be. All he had to do was listen to the words of the prophet. Now, let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 18. And really, when we compare this to some of the other things that we're looking at, this is a rather insignificant prophecy. But isn't it amazing that God had his man there, even for events like this? In verse 1, we have... Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, uh, joining affinity with Ahab, who was the most wicked of all the kings of Israel. And Ahab gets a plan. I want to go to Ramoth-Gilead and retake it from the Syrians. And he calls out Jezebel's prophets of Baal, and they're all there. And they all prophesy, go and prosper. Now, just show you how foolish Jehoshaphat was in all this. Verse 6, But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? Now, you would think Jehoshaphat, who was a holy man, who believed in God, who was a, a righteous king. You see, Jehoshaphat made peace with the devil. With Ahab's house. And who paid for that? It was going to be three generations before this thing was going to be straightened out. 
because Jehoshaphat's son would marry Athaliah. Athaliah would kill all the grandsons. Only the youngest one uh, would survive. She would take the kingship over Judah for a period of years. It, It was a terrible thing that Jehoshaphat did. And Jehoshaphat said, don't you have a prophet of the Lord here? Now look at Ahab's answer. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. There's always one. But I hate him, for he never prophesieth good unto me, but always evil. Boy, doesn't that sound like some of the political stuff we've got going on today? He said, all you talk about is putting people in jail. Well, isn't that where criminals are supposed to be? Uh, we'll move on. And, and uh, the same as Micaiah, the son of Imla, and Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. And they go fetch Micaiah, the son of Imla. And uh, verse 12, And the messenger that went to call Micaiah spake to him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. Let thy word, therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs, and speak thou good. Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, even that what my God saith, that will I speak. And when he was come to the king, the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And he said, Go ye up and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. Micaiah was mocking. The sarcasm was dripping on the floor here. And you could see this guard standing behind, beside Micaiah in front of the king. He said it. He said the same thing. And then Ahab breaks it and says, How many times? Let's read it here. And the king said, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? Do you think Ahab knew the game here? Micaiah was going, You don't want to hear from the Lord. I'll just tell you what you want to hear. I'll, I'll, I'll preach to the itching ears. I'll, I'll be nice. And Ahab's going, Okay. Game's over. Micaiah, tell us the truth. This can't really be from the Lord. And Micaiah unloads. I mean, he just... Then he said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to his house in peace. He said, Ahab, when you go to this battle, you're going to die. And by the time it's all done, uh, Ahab says in verse 25, Then the king of Israel said, Take ye Micaiah and carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I return in peace. Now look at verse 27. And Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then the Lord hath not spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, all ye people. Now, you know what Micaiah was doing? He's throwing the gauntlet down. He was challenged. He said, The standard of God's prophecy is 100%. If this guy comes back alive, God hasn't sent me. 
put me to death. Ahab goes anyway. Jehoshaphat, he is. You know, God's people are so dumb when they're not following God. Ahab comes up to him and says, Jehoshaphat, my friend, listen. He said, I'm just an old war horse. I, I've got to taste the blood and get into the battle. I, I'm not going to put on my crown and look like a king. I, I just want to get in there and fight. And Jehoshaphat, oh, wow. You're, you're really, you're really. And Jehoshaphat dresses as a king. Ahab knows exactly what he's doing. He's setting Jehoshaphat up. And the Lord had already been working in the king of Syria said, told all of his captains, I don't care if we lose today, I want Ahab dead. wonder where that came from. It came from the same lying spirit that was in the mouth of all the prophets saying, go and prosper. And one of those men took a venture, let go of the arrow, and a mighty angel grabbed it and put it right in the joint of Ahab's harness. And Ahab stayed himself up in the chariot, and the people knew that the king was there, and they were fighting, and the king knew that he was dying. And they took him home dead. Washed out his chariot. And the dogs licked the blood, just like the prophecy of Elijah the Tishbite had prophesied to Ahab before. God's word always comes true. You can trust God's word. And what we need to do is we need to learn to, if we're going to learn anything by prophecy, is we need to learn to order our lives according to this word. Ahab was told he was going to die. He didn't believe the prophecy. He died. It doesn't doesn't bother God whether you believe the prophecy or not. I've had some people say, I don't believe that Bible. Like, oh, I'm supposed to be scared of you? Give me a break. I mean, there are a lot of dumb people in this world and you just identified yourself as one of them. That's sad to me. Because it's just like the stove. You can believe the stove is cold all you want, but turn it on and stick your hand anywhere there. You're going to get burnt. And you can deny God's word all you want, but his prophecy is going to come to pass. Now, we got a lot of prophecies that haven't happened yet. Some of them are absolutely fantastic. One of my favorites is the two witnesses in the tribulation period. They're going to lay three days dead in the streets of Jerusalem. We'll go over this prophecy. And it says all the world is going to see them. Now, when that was written in 100 A.D., how in the world was that going to happen? It was impossible. Well, that prophecy wasn't going to be fulfilled in 100 A.D. We don't know what year it's going to be fulfilled in, but it, it'll be somewhere around three and a half, at least three and a half years from today. Hey, you can see the pictures on your watch now. I mean, Dick Tracy is reality. Uh, if you're old enough to remember Dick Tracy. Um, he was a comic book guy, or uh, actually in the newspapers when they used to have funnies in the newspapers. But... 
things that we couldn't imagine are described perfectly in the Bible. And we can see and understand that God doesn't need technology to make these things happen. But we can certainly say, wow, yeah, God wasn't kidding when he said all the world's going to see him. Because that's exactly what's going to happen. God's word will be fulfilled God's way. If we're going to learn anything about prophecy, number one, God's prophecy is given to help us understand more about God. God's word is expected to be obeyed, and when we obey God's word, it's called faith. We need to order our words, our lives, according to God's words. We can count on things that the Bible says is going to happen to happen. All God's people said, let's pray.